3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy. The giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy and abundance. Join the tinkling
1: talents of David Thames and me, Phil Nichol. Sit back, turn it up, and enjoy! songs in the key of laugh. whoa whoa,
3: whoa, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) It's it's a Halloween special, guys. Oh yeah. And we are just Halloweened up.
1: We're so Halloweened up. In fact I'm so Halloweened up I'm Halloween down.
3: (laughs) Um You're listening to Songs in the Key of Laugh. My name is
1: Creepy Phil. And my name is Not-So-Creepy David. No, it's supposed to be Spooky David. Oh, sorry, Spooky David. David. Okay, you're Spooky David. But you are uh, Creepy Phil. Just just want to say
3: before we go any further, all the people that are listening and regular listeners to the podcast, thank you so much for your support. All the wonderful letters, all of the entries into the song competition, and all of the great feedback we've been getting. It's really, really beautiful, and it helps us uh, want to keep going.
1: So thanks a lot for that right it is it's, it's really wonderful to look into our to our emails what's our email again Phil our email is songs in the key of laugh at gmail.com fantastic it's amazing to look on there and then to see that we've had so many wonderful messages yeah, from you f- so thank you for listening and please do um, tell every tell all your friends tell, about our podcast tell, tell your mum and dad they'll love it there's no
3: swearing they, they might like it unless they like swearing
1: I mean you like it you're old enough to be my dad
3: so, coming up on this week's episode, we have some more entries from the comedy song contest, and there's some real doozies in there this week, man. Goodness.
1: There are, there are. Um, we're also going to be doing the quick fire parody round, uh, which I'm, yeah, I've got a lot of redeeming to do. Do you, you do, remember it yeah. from last week? What, what, what was the one? What was that? Uh, stand by bees.
3: Stand by me. You turned into stand by bees. Great. Yeah, it was uh, strong. Also, stick around to the end of the episode. You're going to hear a wonderful interview with one of our guests, someone that you may have seen on... Uh,
1: Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo recently as well. Yeah, she's fantastic.
3: She's taking the comedy world by storm and her name is Rialina. Rialina. How, many, how many years have you been doing uh, comedy for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um,
2: like enough enough to put me firmly in my 30s. <laughs>
3: <laughs> me too. Me me too. Uh I did
1: my Boo. <laughs> ah it's the, it's the Halloween
3: special here on Songs in the Key of Laugh with me spooky nickel and the him Creepy Dave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How have I got Creepy Dave? Yeah, was Creepy Dave. I remember okay. when
3: I was growing up and things used to, like vampires used to really scare me. Um what what kind of stuff was scared you Oh uh, uh,
1: wait we, well when I was really little my my brother um was obsessed with Beetlejuice, the film. Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah and he Michael Keaton. Yes Oh my god Yeah 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 And there's there's a musical to Beetlejuice There is a musical Written by Eddie Perfect Yes Was on Broadway Okay Might
3: be coming to England Okay Guess he wants to be in it me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> ah, it could be Beetlejuice. I you mean, think? you
1: actually could. Yeah, yeah. Could. Um, it, my, <laughs> You'd be amazing. <laughs> Thanks. No, no, no problem. Um, I <laughs> My my brother sat me down and said, this is fine. This is fine. Watch this film. You'll really enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't sleep for weeks. Yeah. It was absolutely terrifying.
3: Wow! it just shows your age, though, because I was an adult when that film came out. The thing that scared me was The Wizard of Oz. Really? Not, not, not the whole film. Just there's one bit in where the tornadoes happening and all the cl- cows fly past and the school teacher's on a bicycle and she morphs into the Wicked Witch of the West. She doesn't do that, does she? She does.
1: At that point it's, in the film? It's in The Wizard
3: of Oz. Oh and my also God. in The Wizard of Oz, there's some great comedy songs. Um, uh, if I Only Had a
1: Brain? Yeah, if yeah, it, or, yeah.
3: Or if I Only Had Heart. Well, they all sing it at some point
1: this so, um I, I know the beginning okay, let, of it yeah, so it's so, uh i could while away the hours yeah. conferring with mm, the flowers mm, consulting mm, with the rain that's really nice in my head i'd be scratching while my thoughts i'd be hatching if i only if had a brain. brain
3: that is just one of the best songs of all time all it's right. beautiful and, and it's funny
1: and it's comical Phil, did you know it's been almost 100 years since the release of Nosferatu? Nosferatu,
3: the film. Well, I did know that, David. But did you know that Alexander Scarabin, who wrote The Black Mass in about 1912, or 1913, The Black Mass was one of his piano sonatas. It's number eight or nine. N- number think, nine, yeah. Right? And it was used as a score underneath Nosferatu when they played, when the piano players used to play live under the film. That is
1: wonderful. mm -hmm. Did you also know on top of that? I know, right? (laughs) How far can we go? Top trumps. Top trumps. Did you know that it was played originally with an orchestra, um, but then the music that they originally used, um, nobody nobody knows what it was anymore. And so that recording was never shown. Well, I, I, I
3: seem to remember that Skarabin wrote a piece after that called Mysterium, which was going to be played at the hills, hills of the Himalayas, at the base of the Himalayas. And they're going to project a film onto the Himalayas while the orchestra is playing it in the first ever multimedia uh, per, uh,
1: performance. That is very cool. And that's called Mysterium. Go Mysterium. On. Check that out. hmm So Phil, you're in the pub. Yeah. It's Halloween, uh-huh. right? There's a jukebox. Yeah. Okay. How many songs can you name that are considered spooky for Halloween? We'll do one each. Oh. Let's see how we can do it. Um, Go. Oh. Um.
3: Uh, um. Ghostbusters. The theme from Ghostbusters.
1: Oh, good one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Thriller.
3: Thri- thriller. Okay, that's another one. And um. Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. And, and and that's it. And, uh, Kevin, the Funky Vampire. Oh. That's a, who, who wrote that one Phil um, I did oh did I, you I haven't written it yet oh, but it okay. sounds like a great idea
1: yeah so uh, I, I always think the Monster Mash is always a popular one um, I love the way that in the recording his voice is he um, does it, it like this I was working in the lab late one night When my eyes beheld a new sight For my monsters from the inn began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise it did, did the mash! mash. Oh, they did, did, the mash. Mash. Did, did the monster mash! The monster mash! It, it was, was a graveyard, graveyard smash. smash! The monster mash! It, it caught on in a flash! The
3: monster mash! There's also been a lot of songs written like ghost songs or songs about ghosts like the Phantom 309 about Big Joe and the, a, a guy that gets picked up by a Mack truck and then he gets dropped off. Then the guy in the cafe goes, there is no truck. That's the Phantom 309. Big Ooh. Joe died saving some kids. And and there's also the most famous one I remember growing up was Camouflage by Stan Ridgeway. He used to play in The Wall of Voodoo. And it's Camouflage is about a Vietnam vet, a guy that gets saved by this big GI called Camouflage. And when he gets back to the hospital, it turns out Camouflage has been dead for a week. Oh, 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 Camouflage,
1: things are never quite the way.
3: So, in the spirit of ghost songs and, and trucker songs, and you know, W.C. McCall's Convoy, the famous CB radio song, I wrote a parody or a pastiche called The Warning of Greasy Fist Joe. While well, the moon was full, the night was still. I was breaker one night. I'm rubber duck, Big Jesse in a convoy of five. Scooter was driving Kenworth, yellow man was hauling horse. Stavros drives a gross to grabber. Fred was watching our back door with no sign of Smokey. Pedal to the metal, we were clear. When we heard that voice, the hair on my neck stood up in mortal fear. Is what he said, but he was dead. <laughs> That's the warning of Greasy Fish Joe. <laughs> and what happens is Greasy Fish Joe warns them by going, <laughs> Is what he said, but he was dead. Dead, dead,
4: dead. <laughs> oh,
1: thank you, Phil. What a beautiful song. Ghosty. Ghosty, absolutely. Uh, now I think it's time to hear some wonderful work from our lovely listeners.
3: Well, we've got the Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song contest and there's been an amazing number of entries. Thank you for sending them in. Uh, we've chosen two for this week. The first one is Ed MacArthur and his song
1: Osteopath. Osteopath.
0: Osteopath, you're an osteopath. You're based in Crouch End.
4: You're a leader.
3: is Ed MacArthur's Osteopath, and I believe that's one of the best comedy songs we've had in the contest so far.
1: It also name checks where you live, doesn't it, Phil? In End, that is indeed right. And it's also about bones, which fits
3: into the theme of Halloween here on Songs in the Key of Laugh.
1: Absolutely. Um, now, our next song is, uh, is a song about billionaires. It's by Ashley Fries. It's called Billionaires Are Going to Space.
0: Billionaires are going to space One, two Those billionaires, billionaires, are billionaires are going to space Billionaires are going to space They took their opportunity to make a profit And rather than help the world They helped themselves to get right off it Blast off Billionaires are blasting off Ooh mm. There's a blasting right off They're blasting right off. Though it's not illegal when they grow wealth exponentially, it might teach them a lesson if they burned up on re-entry. entry. Because today, there's a lot of people suffering, and your dick-swinging contest is proving absolutely nothing. Some are fighting every day just to stay alive While you piss away your cash for 15 minutes in the sky (laughs) Billionaires don't give a toss They don't give a toss Branson Musk and Jeff Bezos. Baldy, baldy Jeff Bezos. I'm sure that being an astronaut is really quite fulfilling. But if this this were a movie, you would be the supervillain. Billionaires, please pay tax instead. I think that's quite unlikely. Let the only billionaires be those shortbreads. Mmm shortbread. It's not your own hard work that caused your stratospheric climb. It's at least partly delivery drivers pissing in bottles to save time. Because today, the 1% ends over half. You cannot help but wonder if they're just having a laugh. Perhaps they'll get perspective if they travel to the stars Or maybe we can banish them to a life on Mars Because today they're blowing a few million quid but it wouldn't be hard with their credit card to feed every single starving kid. Being a billionaire doesn't seem good for the soul. Perhaps they are already lost down the black hole. Billionaires are going to space. Billionaires are Go into space. Billionaires Billionaires are are back from space. They're back again. Billionaires Billionaires don't know what what life life is worth. It's not on the Dow Jones. And we're still stuck with Zuckerberg down here on Uh, Earth. Not Zuckerberg. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Ashley Freeze. Billionaires are going
3: to space. Absolutely. What Obviously, a great song. David Bowie parody, but that's just amazing.
1: It's very it's very Fly to the Concords esque as well, it, that one. It,
3: it, it did remind me of that, because they do that great
1: Bowie vs. Bowie. Versus Bowie vs. So, Bowie. Yes. I'm um, not going to do it to my Bowie but, again. But not it's, not it's not a real parody. It's not a quickfire parody. It's not. We're going to oh. get given a song we know and have to
4: change it up
1: And make it so hysterical that you win the cup so uh, I'm going to try and redeem myself this week, but I'm going to let you go first, uh, Phil, if that's okay. I'm also, I'm going to, I feel like I'm playing into your favour, as you are Canadian. I'm going to be using um, uh, Canada's biggest star.
3: Really? Yes. Neil Young.
1: No, the other one. Celine Dion. The other one. Uh, Johnny Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) It's Brian Adams, and I would like you to parody the song Run To You. Uh, run to You by Brian, Brian Adams. Adams. Run the feeling okay. I'm going to Feeling, Run. Uh, yeah, I know how it goes. goes. Okay, well, of course you do, you're Canadian.
3: Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she says her love for bread could never die <laughs> until I hit her in a rhythm, piece of toaster in the eye. <laughs> 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 But when it get creeps too much She loses to the touch I threw a bun at you I threw a bun at you And when the feeling's right I'm gonna hit you in the eye I threw a bun at you Okay Quick fire, quick fire Quick fire parody game Okay, maybe not one of my best ones there But how about, David, I give you the kinks I like the kinks and I like the kinks Um. Waterloo sunset, the
1: Kinks. Waterloo sunset on the The quick fire again.
3: Here on songs in the key of Laugh Do do you
1: know the song? You know the song. Yeah, it's a classic. I mean, it just lends itself direct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. If uh second verse is Terry and Julie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Terry meets Julie She needs a wee wee It's late on Friday night (laughs) They are so lazy She really needs the toilet She's just not feeling right (laughs) But she won't Feel afraid As long as she knows there's a portaloo somewhere <laughs> she'll be in paradise. <laughs> there you go. The
3: portaloo sunset <laughs> Oh that's lovely. It's, it's a, port- a, lovely, just, it's a uh,
1: lovely thought. Can what? you imagine just sitting on Waterloo Bridge, but with a portaloo overlooking the beautiful Thames?
3: Quick fire, quick fire, quick fire parody game.
1: Do you write comedy songs? Ever dream of being the next Tim Minchin? Or being Tim Minchin? That's weird. Yeah. Why not enter our Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition and maybe appear on our podcast?
3: With Tim Minchin.
1: That's better. The
3: Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition. Enter today. Visit songsinthekeyoflaugh.com for details. <laughs> You're listening to Songs in the Key of Laugh, and we're about to go to our interview. This week we have an amazing woman. She is fantastic. She's a great singer. She's a great songwriter. She's a fabulous comedian. Her name is...
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was
2: looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't
5: actively looking for a new job, but
2: might be
4: open to the perfect role, like me.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
1: guest on today's our show guest. is someone you might know, you and if you don't, that's your own fault, but you'll know them soon. Ooh, boy, well. This jingle has been oh, personalized uh-huh. for a guest that we hope that you
0: recognize, oh, and this week their name is Insert Name in Here. here.
3: It's Rialina, everybody. And uh, Rialina, uh, if you don't know her, as appearing on Yesterday, Today, and the Day Before. She's been on Mock the Week, Steph's Packed Lunch, The Dog Ate My Homework, Sky News, The World Stands Up. Oh my God, you've been on everything, Rialina. I believe you put your hands together for Rialina. Woo. Hey,
4: hi. Hi,
3: Rialina. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. So, you are a professional a comedian, obviously. That's why you're on the
1: show. Uh, you've been playing Do you these... have
2: to make a certain amount of money to to make it professional? Is it just Ooh, like any money?
1: I feel like no. I think any money makes you professional nowadays. Right. I
2: am, yep, as you were, as you go. Yep, all good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't know, it's not weird. I
2: guess that's true, Right. If you... a comedian is doing like what we would call a professional slot like 20 minutes at at weekend clubs, right. but still had a full-time day job that paid most of their rent, what does that make them?
1: Part-time? Part-time? Oh yeah, part
3: time. Oh, part time.
2: See? It's it's funny we've got we are
3: And what do you how do you feel about the ten thousand hours concept?
2: Oh I definitely have done my ten thousand hours.
3: <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'd I, say you have. Yeah. How, how many years have you been doing uh comedy for?
2: Yeah? hmm <laughs> Like um like enough enough to put me firmly in my 30s
3: <laughs> <laughs> me too me me too uh,
2: I did my first gig okay just to put it in the context, I did my first gig stand-up gig when I was 18
3: when you were 18 I right. was 18 okay and,
2: and now we are we are more than a baker's dozen <laughs> over that
1: <laughs> have
3: you uh, how have you been how have you been dealing how have you coped with um the past year and the lockdowns and, and COVID and things. What what have you done creatively to get by?
2: Oh, those are two very different questions. Oh, are they? Well, they? well they answer are. them both. Answer them okay. both. Okay. Well, first of all, um, as any true comic, uh, I am a loner. And prefer my own company because I think I'm the best, and so lockdown was amazing for me, uh, except for the fact that I live with people that I'm related to but but other than that like being alone and and having all of that time and space to myself, I did not have a problem with uh, I think that at the very beginning when they started shutting things down and and it and it you know and they were shutting the industry and everything, I know that a lot of people were scared, but it was clear to me at that point that this was such a huge world event that was happening that I knew that that we weren't going to be left, you know, to, you know, it's not like if if you have a crisis of by yourself in the middle of the world being normal, you're on your own. You know, if you, if you suffer an illness or break a leg and you can't work often, you're on your own and there's no safety net. But I knew in this case, because we were all in it together, that there would at some point be a safety net put in place at which of course was the self-employment grants and furloughs and everything else that came for people. And so I didn't have those worries, um, creatively, I actually got into Zoom gigging quite early on. So I did a, I start, I did a podcast when we were dead dead in that first lockdown. I did about eight or nine episodes of a podcast, which was called Real Behind. And it was just exploring a little bit more, mainly the science facts of what was going on, because I have a science background. And just speaking to a virologist, what is a virus? Because I think up until this point, people think bacteria, virus, I've, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, chlamydia. They don't think what that is. It's a bug. You go, you get it. Y- yeah, you know, because that's a common one. I don't know why. I no, don't know why you
3: said <laughs> I was thinking, was that, are you talking from experience with that
2: one? Or? No. Do you know what it was? I was literally writing jokes about koalas yesterday, and that's why I was like, what other, you know, um, I think I meant to say, I actually, my brain first went to yeast and I went, that's quite a personal female thing. And then immediately went chlamydia, much better. (laughs) Yes, chlamydia much
3: better. For any any koalas that are listening, we apologize. I I Uh, am so sorry. uh, It's it's a very touchy subject. Thank you. Thank you. It's a very
2: itchy subject. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I so I did that and then I did the Zoom gigs, which meant that I found that because life was changing week by week, I was writing tons of stand-up for these Zoom gigs that were happening week by week. But I still came out of lockdown a year later going, Why do I feel like I have nothing to show for it? Mm. And it's because all that material worked in the moment or maybe for a month afterwards, and then the the jokes were so current that I'm now a month later going, I don't have a set anymore because the old stuff feels really too old, and the new stuff is already expired.
3: Yeah, I find that that's true with the the stuff that I was doing on Zoom. The stuff that was about what we were we, what we were happening, what was happening in our day to day lives, doesn't work now live and also live Mm. these audiences that are coming out now don't want to hear about it they want to move on uh they there's a few bits at work about you know walking through the roads without cars on it and things but for the most part i think people just want to move on with their lives now and um
2: i I find hancock or boris as a dick all that stuff they're they're kind of open to you know anything that criticizes the status quo as it is they're into but um but that's not going to last forever either. That you need to move on from that
1: as well. Have you have you found it difficult though, because because people are um, are trying to move on from the fact that we've just been sitting through this for the last year and a half? Um, are you finding it difficult to to find the other material? To, yeah yeah yeah
2: it, it would be cut because you can't go on stage and go hey i was at the self-checkout the other day here's some observational material about that because it feels like who, who are you why are you ignoring the situation why haven't you acknowledged that you're wearing a mask and someone else wasn't was standing too close to you and the stupid you know it's finding that balance but everything in the world right now is pandemic it's pandemic yeah. pandemic pandemic palestine pandemic and then and And I'm not touching Palestine on stage. So um, what you're left with is pandemic. Um, And so it's tricky. I think what's tricky to do right now is find evergreen material. So certainly in the short term, I could get on stage on Thursday and talk about stuff that's happened this past week. But even next week, that will be old and that will be gone.
3: So okay I mean I'm interested in this as an idea as a comedian because you say the term evergreen material mm. uh, one it's one of the issues we're facing as comedians is that there is such a Fast turnover of knowledge and understanding, and mm. topics, and a and a thirst for a new topic. That something like Man, H- Matt Hancock's thing will be gone almost immediately. And it's not just because they want to cover it up, but in the in the when we were younger, that would have lasted a, a week, a month, and it would have been we would have gone after it, and they would have taken it all apart. Now they've already moved mm. on to the next. There'll be another thing, and the next thing. you are presently on a topical news show on Comedy Central how does that affect like how do you how can you keep up if the show tapes on a the, the show tapes on a Monday
2: yeah, we tape on a Monday and right? it goes out on a Thursday
3: so and so goes out on a Thursday so if you tape on a Monday sometimes by the Thursday those things topical things have changed yeah. how do you cope with that
2: um, in that particular show, I think what they do is they do volume. And so, a lot of like some stories, obviously, we go into a little bit deeper depth and we have a greater conversation about it. And those are the ones that we sort of judge at the time to be the bigger stories or the ones that have more impact. So that even if it happened a week before, prior to airing, um, it will still feel relevant to the viewers. But everything else becomes a quick headline and it becomes a quick punchline. And you go, this happened, this happened, this happened. And by By doing it in bulk, you're able to go, look how much we've covered over the past X amount of time. Um, But it's amazing because the number of people that I found out have said, oh, I get my news from Mock the Week. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get my news from Mock the Week. I'm going, OK, but but that means that people watching even the Comedy Central show often would be like, oh, I didn't know that. And it doesn't matter to them when it happened. They just didn't know that it had happened. And that's the bigger issue rather than this is old. People who seriously watch the news and have it on all the time usually aren't our target audience.
3: Now, do you do you write uh, this is a obviously a podcast about musical comedy specifically uh, so let's talk a little bit more in depth about that. You, uh, first of all, what's your what's your background? Are you are you a, a conservatoire? Uh, uh, are you a studied musician? How did you stumble across music? Oh, or did you just teach yourself? Tell me a little I, bit about that.
2: I am very much a teenager, angsty musician type. I mean, I my mother very studiously gave me music lessons from a young age okay. because we're Asian and that's what you do, hmm. um, and so I studied. Piano from seven, I think, until about 16. I studied piano. And, but as a teenager, I became interested in songwriting and voice and singing. Hmm. But that was, you know, piano, and it was very classical training as well. So I'm a very classical penis. I can sit down, I can read the music, I can play the notes. I cannot do what David does, and I wish I could, which is sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, oh, how about a G7? Yeah, let's do a G7. Oh, that's nice. Okay, let's do, oh, I, I kind of know that song. Boom, 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 boom. And just sort of work it out on the piano.
5: Mm.
2: No, can't do that at all. And I found that even like music theory, which is supposed to help with that, where you understand the relationship between chords and progressions, and all, nah, doesn't work for me. But neither does teaching me grammar teach me a language. So just don't have the brain for it. But in terms of songwriting and working with words and working with melody, I found that that... That's my, that's my forte. And then later I picked up the ukulele because when I picked up a guitar, that sounded awful. And so I downscaled to something I could handle and carry around with me. And so I started on the guitar. So I actually composed my first few songs on a piano and guitar. Then I took a guitar to a gig to try and play it. And I think you have to be good at guitar to play it because people expect you to be good. They don't expect... If you're standing up as a woman in, you know even 10 years ago in the comedy circuit and you're strumming the guitar like, Hey, you know, almost as if you've got an egg shaker just waiting to pop out, (laughs) then you're going to be crucified. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, the picture I'm painting It's just like, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and you know, this is my deep and meaningful. Um, no. And so I, I downscaled to the ukulele, uh, just so literally literally so I could carry it because that first gig where I had the song and I'd written the song and I had the guitar I knocked the guitar against someone's chair on the way up to the stage because it was that big and I'm that small and it knocked the guitar completely out of tune Mm. so I was on stage panicking not really able to play it and it's out of tune and I'm trying to sing a new song and I went nah never again
1: Mm. um you were talking quite a bit there about um songwriting what is your process when you when you write a song
2: uh my songs are all quite narrative. They, always, they usually always have a narrative arc of some kind or a twist or a reveal. So it's, that's usually where I start. or um, Occasionally at the beginning, I would be like, I want to write a song about this area. Like I want to, you know, I go, ooh, this is an interesting topic area for a song. Uh, I think one of them was, I, I remember I wrote a song about incest. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, a right song about his house. I know I was I mean, and this is let's let's caveat this. When I wrote the Western song, it was about sexual assault, but I wanted to see if I could flip it on its head and, you know, flip it on its head and not make it acceptable. But sing a song where, you know, sing a song about sexual assault, but where the woman wins in the end, kind of, you know, you know, a flip of a a reversal of, of power. So to speak. And, and and I should be clear to the listeners that this is something that I wrote back in a time when comedy morals were very different. We had a very different moral compass in comedy, even, I would say, five, six years ago. And it's a very different space now that we inhabit, that, we, that we're asked to inhabit as artists. And back then, especially because things weren't as sent out over the internet and over the interwaves all the time and it was very much just for live performance in the room you could say right i've established a contract of trust with the audience now i want to explore this topic area and because you had the consent of everyone in the room you were able to explore those sorts of areas nowadays consent isn't isn't as easily given even in the room but it means that it's a lot harder and you have to be a lot safer with what you say and with what you perform because you don't have as much control of of where that's going to go as we used to have.
3: Obviously, you know me, my body of work is that I am a satirist in mm-hmm. uh, an absurdist way, have many problematic b- bits of material. If you go through my back catalogue to the point where you would think, what is wrong with this guy? Uh, <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with the social mores of the of the age so uh doing a song like so I do I would do a, I wouldn't shy away about doing a song about incest but I would be clever enough to to make sure that the target the target of that song is—it becomes clear by the end of it. Whereas I think so, things are easy to take out of context now. That I—I um, I, I, I feel like I would be on the defensive constantly throughout the piece and not be able to get to it. Um, and the same well, goes. Same goes for yeah. uh, the, the, yeah. the the big topics of the day: racism and sexuality, are things that always I always um, was. It, I saw, saw myself or feel that I am an ally. Uh, to use a modern concept. Mm. Uh, but I was satirizing the negative uh, ad- attitudes towards it by becoming that negative av- attitude.
2: No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Part of the problem isn't that... So, likewise, I don't think that I sang any song... I, I stand by all of my pieces of work in terms of going, I am comfortable with what I wrote and what I said. But the problem is, is that... And, and I think the song I want to sing for you at the end is a, a good example of that, is that you can say a word and people respond to the word rather than the word in context. So you mm-hmm. can start verse one, verse two of your song, knowing that by the time you get to the end, you know, through a chorus and a, and a bridge that it will all come good, but people aren't necessarily willing to even give you that space to get to the end of your art. They're just like, no, no, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have read about this in the first place. How dare you?
3: Yeah. And well, that's it. W- and
2: it shuts it down.
3: There was, there's been a conversation this week about uh Tropic Thunder and Robert Downey jr. Uh, playing that character in Tropic Thunder, where he he plays a black, he's a white actor. He's an Australian actor who's a method actor who is playing a black character, which is a, a satire of what method actors and uh, two satir, satirizing two things that white actors are even given the part as black characters because mm. there's, there's so little representation. So it's actually satirizing that. It's also satirizing method actors who will go to any length, any the end yeah. like Daniel Day Lewis who you know, used to write, still write letters with his left foot for months after doing the piece. So it's almost, it's, it's a satir, satirizing of that. But it's come to light now that just him even putting that uh, black, it's, I, don't, I hate calling it blackface, but even him playing an African-American is seen as being a negative. And I mm. I, 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 don't, I, as a, as a comedian who's, oh, who that... we realize there's something about having a musical skill that allows, that gives you a little bit of grace in the mind of an audience. Um, there's there's <laughs> a double-edged sword. On one hand, you get some grace from the audience. Yeah. In comic terms, you can say and do things that are a bit filthier, a bit, a bit naughtier, a bit bleaker, a bit darker, uh, but there's music behind it. Similarly, because you've got the skill and the music, on, uh, people look to musicians uh, for opinion and sometimes musicians they're just an artist Mm. for opinion and musicians and artists and actors and you know why do they have to have why is their opinion held any higher than anyone else's do you find that people look to you uh as a musical comedian they look to you for for your opinion
2: no i don't think so no I i don't i think it i mean as a musical i see exactly what you're saying in terms of music, and when people use music to put across powerful messages, uh, you know, I mean, and and are very very huge in the in the world, like Beyonce, you know, like she she has messaging in her work. People flock to that messaging, and then they turn to her for more messaging. Um, I I don't think that I have that type of work, and I don't think in especially in my case, and probably a lot of musical comedy cases, that we're always
1: making points. Do do you think that? being behind an instrument um gives you slightly more scope to push push certain issues slightly further i've always found that being behind the piano has meant that i can maybe get away with slightly more i don't know if it's the same for you can i just I say can I,
3: can I sorry to interrupt but can yeah. i just say i think the term getting away with it is i said it earlier when when dave and i were chatting and i find that's just Getting away with it is kind of a gives it a negative slant anyway. That's true. Or, uh, but I know, yeah. But you know, because you're not really getting away with anything. You just if you're doing a song about incest, this is something that ha- it is something that happens. It's a, it, it's it's not the most joyful topic, but surely if comedy cannot do anything other than bring try and bring some joy and lightness to the darkest topics, so n- now try and answer David's question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or did i just answer it for you i don't know i
2: no i I, again i think your point is 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 well put is that it's not that we're getting away with something is that we're saying things that other people might not let straight stand-up say Hmm. although i i think that's also down to skill i mean i i think it's down to skill and style i think there are plenty of musical uh performers that have a style that is so upbeat and whimsical and you know dinky, 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 that if they suddenly started making points, we'd be like, "Mm, stick to your lane, mate. Mm. Uh, And likewise, I think there's some wonderful stand-ups that have been able to make some quite heavy points because that suits them and suits their voice. Uh, But I don't, personally, I don't think I've been hiding so much behind a ukulele. Hiding. I'm not hiding. (laughs) I'm not hiding. I don't think that I was, I don't think that the uke was necessarily what I was using first and foremost to get away with things. I think being female, I think being Asian, I think being especially the beginning of my career when I started 18 looking very young. I think those were things that allowed me to say things that that the rest of of you know, the audience or the community comedy community wouldn't otherwise accept from perhaps a straight white male in his 30s. Yeah, I th- I've, I
3: th- I th- I know exactly what you mean and I when I was in the Corking the Juice Pigs we actually took our, even though we were daft and absurd mm. and dark, really twisted, very twisted. We do a song called Burn Victim Girl, which is a love song, um, you know, might be problematic now, but at the time we we were actually trying to soften blows and we were very conscious of the effect that the work had on people. And what we were trying to, uh, affect the way people think about subjects and how mm-hmm. and and try and break down the those those barriers and not make everything a sad song and make some things a happy song. Uh, do you remember mm. uh, songs early on in your life that com- any comedy songs that affected you?
2: Well, okay. First of all, Monty Python, Parents, that was there. I think that the the philosopher song is burned into my brain. <laughs> and another one actually that did affect me quite greatly in childhood was Victoria Wood's Let's Do It.
1: Yes. Oh, wow. Amazing and song. I,
2: and I wrote a song, uh, years later as a as a tribute. So it was definitely I sort of went, Ooh, I want it in the style of and I played it for my mother and she went, Nope, it's too similar. Sorry. Can't have it. <laughs>
4: just
2: she just went, Nope, don't like that <laughs> song. That was about um that was about discovering your teenager on porn sites. but
3: uh... <laughs> I want to hear all of these. I, I, want... I
2: wrote some great songs and I can't put any of them out now because people, I just, I had an, uh, an album up and I had to take a lot of it down. It was called Offensive Charm. And, and it was, that was specifically, it was like in the thing, you might find this offensive. Like. Don't, you know, don't listen to it if you're a bit of a pussy, but there were just, I was listening to, and I had in between the songs, I would like interview comics backstage in green rooms and just go, will you be on my album and see what happened? So, uh, I just had, um, there were just some things in there that I listened back to it recently and went, I should take that down. Did you take <laughs> it down?
3: I, I'm having that problem right now. We, I've got my, my album, it's called late night electric watermelon. It's only available on Bandcamp so you really have to find it it hasn't i'm not sold that many of them it's 22 tracks i went through listening to it and could not find a single track on the album that wasn't problematic
2: yeah well this is this is it i think for me i took down most of the talking there was a madeline mccann joke in there that you know i was like "Mm, maybe i'll take that out uh and then things like uh, Mark Dolan did the intro to it, and he said, you know, one of the most extraordinary ukulele players in the world, Rialino, which at the time everyone was, and everyone's like, how did you get him to do that intro? Because he was doing that series of his at the time, which is Mark Dolan meets extraordinary people around the world. But now if people play that, they'd be like, who is that guy? And you're not that extraordinary. <laughs> like, you're right,
3: but, <laughs> you know, yeah. don't give up your day job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I mean, Eddie Murphy's raw album's got some pretty problematic stuff, and it's one of the all the time classic comedy albums. But it's it, it, it's it's like it's like the Tropic Thunder thing. We, we looking well, back, I, it doesn't doesn't hold up. Is that not going to be true for most comedy?
2: I mean, I believe in I believe in context. I believe in timing. I mean, look at um, I mean Monty Python. I like Chinese. I mean that song right now. Totally inappropriate, but they only come up to your con- knees. Yeah, yeah. Only come up to your knees. But but but, sure, da, 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 but surely that's da, 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 coming. I'm coming, ready if, to please. But but
3: okay. So, so so let's take that apart. I mean, no,
2: I, I, there's not the entire song. If you look at the lyrics, I don't think is is that is that offensive. And this is the other thing about it is that offense these days isn't doesn't always come from the people. Like, jokes that aren't intended to offend rarely actually offend those that you think are the aim of it. They they actually tend to offend a third party watching. You know what I mean? Like, there are things that are definitely offensive. And when they're offensive, not just do the people that are... The targets find it offensive. Other people go, that is not okay. And I think we're all kind of all in agreement as to what that kind of stuff is. But then you find things like this. I like Chinese. I don't think any... Chinese people here in the... I don't know many Chinese people here in the UK that would go, yeah, that song's a real problem, and it's and my life is terrible because of it, and when I walk around, that's all people sing at me. Um, you know, I, do, I don't know if it's come up. I can't speak, but I don't know if it's come up. I doubt it's come up when, you know, people started calling SARS to the China virus and then attacking people for that. I doubt this song played heavily in that. Mm. And, and I, as an Asian woman, look at it, and I, I quite like it. And in fact, growing up as an Asian girl in White Britain, um, even though I don't sound it, but I did, at <laughs> St. Peter Middle School. And I actually sought out and loved references that I could cling to, because so much of the media, so much of music, so much of what was on TV wasn't accessible to me in terms of I didn't see myself in it, I didn't see me, that whenever there was something Asian, I'm like, boom, that's, that's my favorite song. Mm. That's so- my, you know, that's my favorite actor, or I love this show because it has a strong Asian female in it.
1: So it, um, I Like Chinese by Monty Python. It starts off with, the world today seems absolutely crackers with nuclear bombs to blow us all sky high. There's fools and idiots sitting on the trigger. It's depressing and it's senseless. And that's why I mm. Like Chinese. And we go into that song. Um, I don't know. I, that kind of lays the ground. Uh, like does does a bit of groundwork for them to kind mm, of cover mm. themselves. But it's I, I find it amazing that they were that they that they thought about that even mm. like so many years ago when they were writing these songs um and that's something that that uh, you still definitely like even more so have to do now um is to kind of cover yourself mm. before bringing in that punchline like we were talking a moment ago about writing a song about incest um you do have to do a, like cover quite a lot of groundwork before you can bring bring that subject to the to the forefront of the song
2: I don't think it's as funny without it, though. As well, that's the that's yeah. the that's where that's where the comedy beat drops. Yeah, yeah, is the fact that we go the world is awful. Yeah, but I like them. Um, I mean, in fact, it's the kind of song. I think this is a perennial. This is one of those things that some songs go out of fashion, and then suddenly you come back to it. and You go, this is so apt for now, yeah. and it's scary. I, how many people have rewritten Billy Joel's "We Didn't Light the Fire"?
3: Yeah, because yeah. the song
2: and the structure itself, you go, why, why mess with this? It's the perfect structure. We'll just change some of the the actual examples.
1: Um, but, Phil, we're going into the favorite part of the podcast, are we? Yeah. Oh, it's your favorite part <laughs> of the podcast, isn't it? Uh, it's my. This is my personal favorite part of the podcast. It too. is because we are going to ask Rialina to play for us. Uh, um, have you got ooh. a song for us, Rialina? No. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. 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 No. Sorry. It just. Yeah. I can. Yeah. So I picked this before we spoke, but this is, so I don't know, this is something that I don't think anyone who, with a brain that listens to it would ever think should be censored. But obviously there will be people that disagree with it. So I picked it because it's not straightforward as a comedy song. It's not like straightforward and simple and you just go, oh, that was nice. Like this definitely, that's why I picked it. And that's kind of what I, I like to do with music anyway, is not just go... La da 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 da. You thought it would rhyme with cunt. It didn't. Um, I prefer <laughs> a little bit more than that. Okay. <laughs> I wrote this after uh, a few things happened in the U.S. last year, okay. um, in a couple of different states, and and some decisions were made. And I I personally very strongly believe that a woman's body is her own to make decisions about Mm -hmm. and any medical decision should be made between her and her doctor not between her and her local representative and so this song is called Dear Alabama Senate Mm -hmm. and it's my open letter to the Alabama Senate after they passed certain laws and it has (laughs) punchlines Dear Alabama
5: Senate I am writing to complain Cause my mom was raped and forced to have me all in Jesus' name. But my mama couldn't cope. They found her swinging from the porch. Now I'm being abused in an orphanage run by the Catholic Church. (laughs) Now I'm not that bright. My chances going forward are quite slim. I got a clap flip cause my daddy's uncle also fathered him. They could have fixed it. Said the doctors wish they had. It hurts like hell. Cut the funds for that as well Who the hell are you to say I'm better off not being aborted Just because I had a heartbeat Doesn't mean my life was sorted Now I'm a burden on the state But I'm alive, that's all that matters Not my mental health, my mama's life Or women's rights, cause they're in tatters It's clear and that my spelling ain't too bad I used what paper I could find The only pencil my school had My teacher would have liked to help She says pro-life is persecution But I haven't seen her since She tried to teach us evolution (laughs) What's your mama do to you To make you hate all women, kind? That's your state of mind If you think a ball of cells has rights I guess we have our answer As to whether you'd get treatment If you found out you had cancer Now, Mr. Senator If from this letter, Mr. Senator Only one home truth you take Please let it be that if I lived or died was not your choice to make. When doctors vowed to preserve life, the life not yet here ain't the one. But fingers crossed it's yours because I'm outside your office with a gun.
3: That was was amazing. amazing. That's so good. (laughs) That's really funny.
2: Thanks, Phil. I really feel you mean it. No,
3: I, 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 you know what? I I just I've never heard anything quite as amazing. And,
1: uh, um, I know, and you've I been in the that. West End, so. Uh,
3: Realina, oh, thanks. thanks for joining us on "Songs in the Key of Life" a podcast. Songs, songs, songs in of the key of, key of laugh, laugh. laugh. The songs in the key of love.
1: Laugh. Songs, this is songs, songs the, key the key of laugh. Key of love.
3: Songs the key of love is a very different podcast. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, Ria, thank you for coming on. Thank you for singing and performing for us. And thank you. Uh, that's really everybody. <laughs>
1: Goodbye Adios Farewell You'll be glad to hear That we think that Your interview went well But we have other things To get on with now So you're gonna have to go I'm sure our paths Will cross again But whoever really knows It's been fun It's been musical It's been comical at times But now we have to leave you So goodbye Goodbye
3: Well that brings us To the end of our Halloween edition Of Songs in the Key of Laugh With me Spooky Phil Nickel
1: And me (laughs) I'm not calling myself creepy (laughs) Phil wants me to call myself Creepy everyone, else, call, I, everyone they, else calls you creepy they don't everybody has a friend creepy Dave, don't they it's not it's not good it's not a good look um no i'm david tims thanks uh, <laughs> for
3: supporting our podcast if you want to donate some money to us you can go to our patreon or you can go coffee and if you don't have any money to donate just tell your friends and try and get more people listening because it would be really great for us and you
1: yeah please like and subscribe i, like I don't think i've ever said that and before subscribe like and subscribe if you'd like to know more
3: about Rialina, why not visit her website, Rialina.com, or follow her on Twitter at Rialina underscore. Or even better, follow her on Instagram at Rialina underscore.
1: And please keep sending us your songs for the Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition at songsinthekeyoflaugh at gmail.com. Support our podcast, patreon.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh, Or
3: coffee.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh.